everyone, I'm Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of the Naya Beauty app. Welcome to Naya Unfiltered, where I bring topics for your consideration that are impactful, insightful, and informative. I hope that you find these episodes interesting or at least entertaining. Enjoy our show. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I am talking with Claire Getz from the Perry app. This app is so important. If you don't know what it is, you're about to find out. It is an app that's related to women's safety. Claire discusses how she saw a void in the market and how she created an app from concept to launch. I love this because it's another female entrepreneur who is in the coding world who is not a coder, just like me. Enjoy. Hi guys, it's Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of Naya Beauty App. Today on Naya Unfiltered, we have the CEO and founder of Perry. Um, it is a safety app and her name is Claire Gentz. Welcome, Claire. Thank you, Thea. I am super excited to be here when you guys reached out. I was very honored um, to just to come on the podcast and I love what you're doing. And I feel like today is going to be a really good conversation. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I have so many questions, you know like from a personal standpoint, um, you're just the day in the life of a CEO and a founder of a, a, an app, number one. Number two, what your inspiration, motivation was to build this app. And I think it's so relevant in the times that we're living in. So I just want to dig right in. So um, tell our listeners, like, what's your background? I mean, do you have a technical background? Do you code? What's your background? No, not at all. I wish I did, because that probably would have made this process a lot easier. But uh, my background is so I have never really been someone I feel like that has known what I've wanted to do. I almost feel like now is and in like recent years, I've kind of started to feel like, oh, okay, I kind of feel like this is my not to use the word like path or Mm -hmm. but you know, just kind of okay, I feel like this is kind of what I've been meant to do. But Basically, I actually was working as a registered nurse prior to all of this. Um, And so I was working for a registered nurse for about four or five years. And during that time, I had actually started a blog. This was like in 2015. I had started a personal blog and Instagram and had just shared on that as a hobby. And I kind of just continued to do that over the years. And at the time, I ended up working as a full-time blogger and influencer actually and leaving nursing. And then recently is so the beginning of 2021 is then when I had the idea for Perry, which is the app that we'll dive into, obviously. And so then that was kind of the jumping off point of, okay, well, if I want to do this, what are the steps? I Because like you said, mm-hmm. I had no background in tech, um, no background in coding. I mean, really the only thing I've been familiar with from that standpoint is you know, I've hired designers to build a custom website for me. Right. But I mean, that's like, you know, very, right. it's like, and it different. seems kind of daunting, right? It's like, oh, you have like this idea and it's like, okay, how am I going to put this together? Like the back end of it, right? So you have to kind of reach out and try to put some like architects to kind of put life into your idea. Yeah. And I feel like one of the hardest things is you really, if you've never done it before and you don't know anyone who's done Mm -hmm. it before personally, you're just thinking literally, where do I start? And so, I mean, I would Google things like how to start an app, which I mean, (laughs) sounds, sounds really stupid, but I mean, sometimes I feel like one of the things is, you know, you can't be afraid to 
just like be a beginner. And yeah. if you don't know anything, you just have to start Googling and, and thank YouTubing, God for Google. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. I want to know how did you come up with this idea? Was it just like, Hey, there's something missing in the market or something happened to you personally that made you, you know, um, have pause and think like, oh, this would be great if this was, is, was in existence. Like, what was it? What was that spark? Yeah. So it's like a little, a little bit of all of that, but the main thing that kind of sparked that initial idea was, so I have been a self-proclaimed proclaimed crime junkie for the last like several years now. I love Me true- too. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're probably not unique in that sense, but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but that's the thing as someone who, you know, it's like you're listening to true crime podcasts, you're watching documentaries, I think that and paired with the fact so both my parents were actually FBI agents. And so I think like I've always just been a little more hyper aware of my surroundings. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so and you know, as when you're listening to these podcasts and documentaries, you kind of think, oh, okay, if I was in this situation or what could I do to potentially avoid that? And so I think, you know, you just start kind of seeing your day-to-day, not through like a paranoid lens, but again, you're just more aware that these things do happen, unfortunately, most often to women. Um, Mm -hmm. So all that to say, basically one day my husband and I were in the car. And I said, Oh, do you want to listen to a true crime podcast? He says, um, no, he hates them. (laughs) He's like, why do I want to listen to like women being murdered? I'm like, okay, that's, that's a a fair point. Right. Um, But of course we listened to one. And at the end he was like, this is literally terrible. Women cannot like just And he was bringing up the point and he was saying, as a man, these things like don't even cross my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know, but as women, like this is a very real reality again, not to be paranoid, but you know, it just happens. And so then kind of after saying that, I said, I wonder since, you know, it's either women's are victim of like not to get to, but, you know, of murder or assault or just feeling like uncomfortable in their day to day. And I was just thinking, why aren't there more tools to help women feel safe, especially more modern ones? There's things Mm -hmm. like pepper spray and mace, but, you know, we live in a modern society now. You would think there would kind of be more at women's disposal. So, all that to say that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of Google and trying just to see, okay, well, what is out there right now? Cause the initial idea was to actually have some sort of device or wearable that would connect you with the police or that would give you a fake phone call if you needed it Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to get you out of an awkward or comfortable situation. And So I just realized, even looking at that, there's really only a few wearables on the market. There's, and they're like pretty recent. It's not like these have been around for And And the wearables, were they more geared towards kids or were they geared, were they actually geared towards women or, you know, adults? So kind of like the two main, I guess, like brands that are out there, they're definitely geared towards women. Um, But for me, when I was seeing them, I felt like, okay, well, I think 
you know, aesthetically, I could make this something maybe a little more functional that women would actually like want to wear every day, mm-hmm. or that is more practical to wear every day. But then as I'm sure we'll kind of get into when I actually went down the route of looking into getting things like manufactured and then the price point that you would Mm -hmm. have to sell something like that at, I tried to think of a way to make it a little more accessible, which is how the final, I guess, rendition of what Perry is now came to be. But that was what kind of initially sparked the idea. I just thought, you know, there should be more tools out there to help women feel safer. And in Googling, I was thinking there's really not that many considering. This this is like a very important point I'd like to point out to our listeners and viewers is that, hey, you've got an idea, right? And you have to take the time to do market research. So basically what you were doing is like, maybe if you were looking just to see if there was something in existence for yourself, but also just doing market research to see if there's a hole in the market, then maybe you can fill that hole. So a huge part of starting a business, any business, I guess, is doing research, right? And And thank God, like we said, Google. Yes, I know. Thank God for Google. And the other thing I was going to say, just for anyone listening is that, you know, in my case, there really wasn't much out there. So I thought, okay, I feel like I can actually kind of fill a white space, but it's not necessarily in my opinion, a bad thing. If there are a bunch of other brands, cause right. that shows that there's enough interest and competition sure. and you know, that there is a desire for it where as in my case, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, we're one of the newer or kind of like first people or brands to kind of do this. Does that Mm -hmm. mean that there's not a demand for it or has it just not been thought of yet? So just having competition isn't necessarily a bad thing because I do think it's very hard to find a genuine novel idea. And Perry's not, not, again, there's other things that exist that are similar, but not exactly it. So I guess I just say that to, for anyone listening, not to feel frustrated if you don't have, you know, this novel idea that no one's ever thought of before, because that's pretty rare that that's the actual case. So what was your first iteration? I know that you mentioned that you were taking a look at wearables before you, you know, started an app. So was there another iteration of this idea that you had? Yes. So basically the iteration, we never got to anything um, like a physical component of the wearable, but again, it was just more market research and reaching out to several manufacturers and finding out, okay, what would the cost be to get a wearable manufactured? And then in addition to an app, and mm-hmm. then on top of that, because you have the wearable, well, what would you have to then charge people for it? And one of um, this Basically, I have a mentor, long story short, and she had connected me with someone who um, gave us a really good piece of advice. He was saying that something to think about with these wearables because of the price point and the ones on the market now tend to be around $130. Dollars, um, And again, like they're great because if you are in a situation that you need to contact the police, then of course, like that can save your life. But I understand that's not necessarily the most accessible price point for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he was saying, you know, a lot of people or women who are the ones that really need this wearable Mm -hmm. very well might not be able to afford it. And so that was also something we started thinking about. And so then it was like, okay, well, the investment it would take to manufacture a wearable plus we wouldn't be able to be as accessible. Is there something that can kind of bridge the gap 
where the price can be more accessible and women can use it as a tool just more day to day versus Mm -hmm. in an emergency. And so then that's how I had then thought, okay, well, what if it's just an app? There's no wearable and we have what it is now, the fake phone call component where you can activate a fake to receive a fake, but realistic sounding phone call, giving you an easy exit strategy. But there's also the option to activate the phone call and have your location texted to your emergency contacts. Okay. I want to get into the app. I want to get into the the meat and bones and potatoes (laughs) and everything about the app. So number one, the name Perry, Mm -hmm. does it mean anything? How did you come up with the name? So Perry is actually a fencing term and it means to ward off or block. And so I really, I wanted the name to be simple, easy to pronounce, not a lot of syllables. And so in, but I also wanted it to have some sort of meaning without being obvious. You know, I didn't want someone to ever see that on someone's phone and have it be an obvious indicator. Oh, that's a fake phone call or that's something, you know, someone's going to use if they're feeling unsafe. So Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be discreet. And so I felt when I came across Perry and it was also available from a trademarking perspective, (laughs) I thought, okay, this, I feel like kind of ticks all the boxes for what I wanted in a name, but Mm -hmm. that's the meaning behind it, which I feel like is exactly what kind of Perry is meant to do to ward off someone who's being a creep or someone who you're just not interested in. I mean, guys, there's like a lot of thought behind the process, right? It's not just, okay, I want it to be a safety app, but then it's like, oh, it has to be subtle. So it's not, you know, a signal for other people, just everything behind the scenes in creating this app. You know, there's a lot of work that all these steps. So from the idea, can you think back and like the idea that you, when you thought of this, to when it comes to fruition, what was that time frame? It's like when you kind of thought of the name and the, is it trademarkable? And then you started putting the components together. Like how long was that process? It was about pretty much exactly a year. Wow. From when, yeah, the beginning until when it launched. Wow. Okay. So then you came up with this name, you trademarked it, right? We just then, got notified that it's been approved. So. Oh, well, congratulations. It took because that, that takes forever. Yes, with everything is so backed up right now. So just sitting here, fingers crossed for the last year. <laughs> like, yeah, longer than that, but yeah. So, that's, so then you, you come up with this idea. You have the name. It's, you know, you apply for the trademark and everything. And then, so as far as like graphic design and coding, where did you, where did you go? So for the developer part of it, I had actually originally spoken to a couple different like app development firms, so to speak. Um, and the quotes I was, I knew it was going to be expensive to develop an app, but right. we're self-funded and I believe you are. Yes. Too. Yes. yes. I, I know this is, this is like deja vu. It's like, look yeah. to myself in the mirror. Right. I know. So, but it's great. Like, and I think I told you this before to see a woman who's a non-coder who sees that there is something in need, you know, the market needs and pushing through that, that fear. And, you know, that like, oh, I don't really know how to do it, but then using your resources, albeit like your brain and your own funding to make it happen. So it's, it's awesome. When I saw that, I was like, oh no, I've got to talk to this woman because I mean, there are, you know, 
a lot of us, I'd say not a lot, because normally you see in the media, it's usually a man and, you know, it's like this bro for, you know, fraternity mentality. But then when you see it's a woman and she's self-funded, it's, that's like so empowering that like, listen, women who are listening to us, you can do it. There are steps and don't feel that you can't do it just because you, you're not coming from a tech background. There are resources. So you spoke to a developer or a development team, and how did that go? So I had spoken to two, and basically the prices were for development. Again, with apps, even before going into it, everyone told me, oh, my God, apps are so expensive You know, to make. They're so expensive to maintain. Mm-hmm. Not like necessarily telling me I shouldn't do it, and I don't think it comes from a place of discouragement, but kind of, Hey, this is the reality of it. And sometimes I think, um, you know, I don't know if you are, are are you familiar with Bethany Frankel? Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. But one of the things she says is before she went into the liquor business, she was glad that she was such a novice in the space because otherwise she would have felt so deterred from people saying, oh, well, you know, you're a woman, there's no women in the liquor business. And she said, but since I didn't know any of that, I just went in and said, oh, you know, I'm going to do it. And so I think sometimes almost not knowing what it entails is almost better because you're just (laughs) going step by step and you figure out each step. You're just in the process, right? Like, uh, yeah, you, you don't know everything you can't that turn it back. takes, right? It's just like, I'm too deep in it now, right? Exactly. So it was probably good that I didn't really know everything that it entailed. But so anyway, I had spoken with these app development firms and still the pricing was just astronomical. Oh, no, these, these development firms, were these US-based or were they abroad? One was um, US, one was UK, and then the other one was they had a US presence, but the majority of their developers were in right. India. Yep. Um, so that. Mm-hmm. that one was the least expensive option, but I also didn't feel 100% confident just in the entire like communication and the process. Right. And again, when you're spending that much, you need to feel reassured. So I didn't love those options. And Mm -hmm. that was just like very discouraging because I thought, okay, well, maybe we will need an investor. Maybe I can't do this. But I said to my husband one morning, I said, I think I'm, and I actually haven't shared this before, but I want to share it because again, I want people to know that if you just kind of think like a little outside the box or maybe Mm -hmm you know, then sometimes things can fall into place. But I said to him, I'm going to go on Upwork and see if I can find an ex-developer from Apple. Oh my God. And he was like, he was like, I don't think you're going to be able to find that. I said, I'm I'm just going to look. So anyway, I found um, two guys that left Apple that were developers there and they started their own firm. Um, That's amazing. they are based out of the US, but um, a large part of their team is also in India. But so that definitely helped with costs and they were a smaller mm-hmm. firm. Um, and yeah, so I really got- So, okay, I don't... so for people who don't understand what Upwork is, I mean, I, I found my developer on Upwork also. Oh, okay. Can Amazing. you explain yes. to our audience what Upwork is? 
Yeah, so basically Upwork is like a third-party site where essentially if you are looking for a contract employee or someone to do just like a one-time task, like build a website or an app or um, copywriting, I mean, any of those things, you can basically post what you're looking for. You can post mm-hmm. a job listing mm-hmm. um, and or you can just kind of search through the suggestions that they give you. You can invite people to interview for your job, but it's basically a way for freelancers mm-hmm. to get either contract work or in this case, obviously our relationship now has gone with our developers gone beyond the platform of Mm -hmm. Upwork, but that's how I'd originally. I love Upwork. I mean, we find so many, I mean, Michaela loves Upwork too also, right? So she she wears a lot of hats, but you know, from anything, like you said, from developing a website to copywriting, to graphic design, to Mm -hmm. social media um, management, anything that you need, realistically you can find on Upwork and yeah. you can filter for those who don't feel comfortable working with a firm that's outside of the U S but you can filter through and work with only U S um, citizens. Yes. But it, it offers, it, it set offers so many resources for people and on and different budget tiers. Right? That's what I was going to say. Like you can adjust if you want to do hourly or just like a set flat fee for your project. So, I mean, I definitely think, yeah, it's one of the best ways to find specialists in those various areas, because otherwise, again, if you're not working with a company that has mm-hmm. that stuff in house, mm-hmm. and again, if you're a startup or right. you're, and you're self-funded, or it's, it's, or like, it's yeah. literally just you as the start, you know, right. But yeah, it's a great resource. So when you were, you took a look at some different firms and other than budgetary restrictions, you know, how did you, um, interview these firms Were did you, did you have like, um, any Google techniques on interviewing or was it just a gut feeling like, Hey, I don't think I'm going to mesh well with this firm. How did you interview them? Well, the three that I'd kind of narrowed it down to overall seemed to have good reputations and reviews. I mean, they were definitely bigger in, I guess you would say the app development space, which then also when people have that much of a reputation and reliability, then you also pay for that, which mm-hmm. I understand. But I mean, one of them in particular, the one out of UK, I got along really well with uh, the woman that was I was interviewing with. I mean, I still have kept in touch with her to date because she sa- has said, please let me know when the app launches. So oh, I so cool. had sent, yeah. So she was really sweet. And I loved that they really focused on the overall customer experience of it. And they really mm-hmm. broke things down from beginning to end. Like, okay, we'll do this customer research. You know, it was very involved. And I also understand that goes into the price. But I think- one of the reasons that aside from the price that I also, I didn't feel, I felt like I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted the app to be. And so I didn't necessarily feel like I needed all that addition, all those additional steps versus this is what I want the app to be. I do need to find a designer to create the wireframes to, so it aesthetically, you know, looks nice and is functional, but I knew what I wanted the functions of the app to be. So I think then that's why I ended up going the route, finding the developer. And then I found a designer that I had worked with previously on Mm -hmm. 
another brand that I really loved her work. And she actually used to also design wireframes for apps. And so I used her to do all of our, like the brand identity for Perry in addition to the app wireframes. And then that was all passed along to our developers for them to implement. Isn't it crazy that you know these terms now, right? Like if you think (laughs) back, if you think back at, you know, like someone said like, oh, sandbox. And I was like, huh, sandbox and like wireframes. Like, what are we, what are we talking about? You know, now you know all these terms. So just funny, um, wondering if like you watch these shows, there's a lot of shows that come out now that's talking about, you know, tech and, and apps and stuff like that. And, you know, when I started watching that show, Silicon Valley on HBO, I'm like, oh my God, I know what this means. I have to watch that. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, it is funny how like all the pieces kind of start to come together. And of course there's still so much that I have no idea, but now I feel a little bit less of a novice and luckily (laughs) the developers are the experts. And yeah. so I can rely on them and I can handle the brand side, which is right. what is my expertise. Right. So, okay. So I love this. So then you've, you've got, we've walked through this like whole development stage, the research, the development, and then you um, procuring, you know, a development team and then, you know, your graphic designer to talk about the aesthetic, right. And the feel of the app. So you really have your hands all over the place. You're probably communicating with different people at different stages yeah, <laughs> um, wearing different hats. So then you come to launching the app and you, that must have been such an incredible feeling that it's like on the store, right? Yeah. And it's also, like you said, it's an incredible feeling. You're thinking, okay, all my work from the past year, years has, you know, it's finally here. And then when but you it's launch, not done. <laughs> yeah. And then also when you launch, you're like, oh my God, like now it's, now it's real. Now it's now it's actually starting versus the entire year. It's been yeah. this idea that you're super excited about. And you're like, right. oh, like I know this is going to be great. And then it launches and you're like, okay, now, now it's here. So now time, it's here. So time can, to get to work. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's funny because you think that, you know, you've been working this entire time, but right. now all of a sudden it's like a different, but it's like, it's more real. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's, day to day. And you not only have to think, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, not only is it day to day operations, you know, of maintaining and customer service and everything. And, and how can we give a better experience to those people who have downloaded and nurturing that community, but also increasing brand awareness and how do I get my name out there and how do I make these connections? So the job doesn't end when you launch. Yeah, it's just just starting. (laughs) Right. And I think like one of the things that I've really had to kind of reframe my mindset or perspective on, like you were saying, there's so many things to do. I mean, again, just from like the brand awareness, customer, so you're wearing so many hats. And again, when you're Mm self-funded, you don't have the, all the resources to one, hire people right away to do X, Y, or Z Two to spend a ton of money on advertising right. to get the brand out there. And so something I know for me that I've really had to kind of take a step back with is really looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and realizing, cause I feel like you kind of think, oh, when you first launch, oh, like this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Yeah. Cause it's just such a great idea, but it's like, and as great as your idea may be, if no one knows about it, exactly. you know, and that just You're like takes... the best kept secret, right? Right. <laughs> 
yeah i'm like we do want to be a secret but not that much of a secret yeah like no please please tell people but it's i i mean i think it's such an awesome idea because you know just looking at the fundamentals just basically your idea i love this idea because you're right women have been in precarious situations i think back like you know when i started college right eons ago and I have placed myself in dangerous situations just completely because I just didn't know any better, right? But then walking through, okay, in my 20s, just again, those precarious situations, and this is before I could, you know, get on a cell phone or whatever, but then to have the ability to just, you know, oh, you know what, somebody's calling me right now and and we've all done it. Like, hey, I'm going here, call me in 30 minutes. And right. if everything's cool, then everything's cool. But, you know, but having that empowerment in your hands to say, oh, I can like, you know, I can do a fake call. I can send my location to somebody. It's, I mean, it's great. Like, because we have to like be aware of our surroundings. And I think you and I talked about this, about the news. We hear about it every day, not only in podcasts, but just on the news or reading yeah. about it or hearing about it. And yes, there are some crimes that are, you know, against women that are their partners, but then there are random crimes too, that you mm -hmm. wouldn't even think happened. Like we talked about that happened in England. You know, yeah, the, the woman who's like walking yeah. and it's the police officer, right? And she was on the phone and just hung up. And then all of a sudden that's when she was snatched. Yeah. So I really think that this is like this safety measure. It's something that we do need. And you're right. In this time and day and age of technology, it just makes sense that it's there. And it's also just because I think sometimes you're like, oh, well, why? Well, one, it's like, well, why? Like, I'll just share my location with my friends or I'll just call someone or I'll have them call me. But it's like you can't always predict for the most part. I mean, when those situations are going to happen. But that way, one, you're not relying on someone else. You can literally get that call instantly. And you can also simultaneously then have your location texted to someone, which for me, that's more proactive versus, I mean, my husband has my location. You know, I share it with him. I have it shared with my sister. But if they don't know to actually look for it, I mean, it's right. not like they're checking my location all day. Yeah, like, where is I've... she now? Where is she now? Like, stop yeah. her. No, no, no. <laughs> right. So I think just being able to alert someone, hey, I'm in a situation right now where, you know, it's not yet an emergency, but I'm feeling uncomfortable enough where I want someone to know where I am. And then they can potentially reach out. But at least that way, you also have that immediate phone call where mm -hmm. you can just exit the situation like quickly because there's been, I feel there's been also plenty of instances where women will speak up, you know, to someone who's like being creepy or whatever it is. And some cases, I'll just say men as like a general statement, but the predator mm -hmm. does not take rejection well and right. it escalates the situation and actually puts you in more harm's way. I mean, I'm all for women, obviously empowerment and speaking up, but just sometimes the safest thing to do is just to discreetly right. like remove yourself. Non-confrontation, right? right? Like it's, it doesn't have to be confrontational. So you've launched this app, you know, we talk about the different hats. Um, just personal question. When you launched it, because I know I felt this, there's always something that you can tweak, always something that you can change. And there has to come a point like, no, let's launch it. It's going. Yes. Yes, I think so for us, we had wanted to add a shorter, the shortest 
call delay we had was 30 seconds. So basically you activate Perry and then within 30 seconds you receive the call. And then there was also 60 seconds, 90 seconds, and then 30 minutes in an hour if you want to preset before going into a date or something. And so then we were thinking, oh, well, should we add, you know, some like 30 seconds doesn't seem that long, but if you're like in a situation, like, should we add the five, you know, and then we were like thinking, and I say we, cause my, husband handles a lot of the back end of like ads and like strategy and whatnot and he's just been a big sounding board this entire process okay and then it was like no it just it needs to launch and then I'm trying to think I know there were other um little things that we we're trying to just get situated because I know about a month after we launched, we just went and did a bigger update that included the five second time, time, mm-hmm. the five second call delay. And a few of the others were just kind of more aesthetic, but right. your point, I mean, there's even, yeah, things now when we're like, oh, okay, well, what about like launching to other countries? There's always things yes. that you- So I, I would listen to this- um this podcast and it was masters of scale. Okay. Have you heard that? I haven't heard of that one. And it's but I'll it's have Reed to... Huffman and he's, um, he was the CEO of LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. And one of his, um, pieces of advice is, Hey, you should be embarrassed with your first iteration. Just get it out because you're always going to be changing and, um, making new versions because based upon your customer's feedback, you know, That's... and he's like saying like, Hey, we made so many changes but we had to get it out. And, and if you're not embarrassed of your first one, it means like you don't spend all of your time trying to perfect it because by the time you make it perfect, you're either way out of budget or someone else has come into the market and you're done. So just put it out there and then learn as you go. And then, and then you just like, you ramp it up. And then by the end of it, you know, you'll have that. It'll never be perfect. Yeah, you're yeah. always going to be making iterations, but no, right. I think that's always, uh, I think that's a really good point where it's like, if you spend again, it's like done is better than perfect. You know, you want it to be a representation of your brand mm-hmm. and the functionality of it needs to work. But at the same time, like you said, you don't know what your customer's feedback is going to be. So yeah. in, so once you kind of have the basics down, you don't necessarily need to spend, that's why we were like, okay, there's no point in trying to launch to other countries outside the U.S. initially until we get like more feedback from where, because right. like, thought- let's, let's get this down first. Right, right exactly. We start Versus getting caught bigger. up in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think about my first version and you know, it was like, I want this, I want that. And my husband's like, listen, let's just get it out. Let's just get it out. And yeah. I look at it and, you know, it's a, it's an app that, you know, connects users with, you know, professional makeup artists. And my first version, as the makeup artists were onboarding, I realized it, and it didn't even dawn on me. I literally had just like basically hundreds of makeup artists. There was no filter system. You know, there was no like, you know, categories. Mm, right. So when a user came on, it was like, oh, here is a long list of makeup artists. And they had to like individually click through. Now, of course, thinking back on it now, like who would want to do that? You know, but it didn't even like dawn it. But then after that's like, oh, I need a filter system. Okay, now I'm going to filter, you know, but at least I was out there. 
But you and, wouldn't have probably realized that until you actually yes. then had it out there. And then from your user experience, like you actually right. going through it and being like, oh, wait, <laughs> now that I'm a you, because I mean, that was same, oh my God. the same thing like, with us. You don't even understand. Like when, I mean, thinking about it now, when you think about it, it's like embarrassing, but did not even have the price on the website, nor on the app of like how much um, it cost. It was so, I mean, like, I'm trying to figure it out, like, what's going on? And then someone's like, hey, you know, I was a, kind of afraid to click on it because I didn't know how much it cost. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They had to click on it in order to see how much the, the, like the, the sessions total were. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's just like, basically, I'm having people blindly go on, not telling them how much it's going to cost and just wondering, why isn't anyone using it? <laughs> You're like, go ahead. Just what's the big deal? <laughs> But I think, yeah, sometimes you're in your head so much after like so much time right. of just trying to, yeah, come up with the basic templates for the wireframes and the, and then when you're actually going through it, you think, oh, well, how is someone going to know to do X, Y, or Z or how? Exactly. But, is it intuitive, right? right? Like, you know, because you live you and breathe it, it every but... day, but yeah, you have to think about not only, okay, market research, but then it's you know, customer research and that customer feedback. So you pivot based upon your feedback. And sometimes, you know, there won't be any feedback. They just won't use it. And you have to figure out like, okay, what's going on? What's the disconnect? So, you know, that's something to keep in mind too. Now we talked about the different hats that you wear and you coming from an influencer background, that must've been like second nature for you to now all of a sudden you have to, you know, promote your product on social media platforms. How was that pivot for you? Yeah, that part was deaf. So like the learning curve with that is when I went from nursing to, you know, working as an influencer, because that was definitely in a different, uh, different, two different, two very different categories. But yeah, I think it definitely helped and obviously is helping and has helped that my job is social media. And mm -hmm. so it has been a natural transition if I have thought, okay, well, I have to film TikToks. I need to create an, Insta an Instagram feed. Those were things that I was already doing, but for okay. a, my personal brand. But I think the biggest, so it hasn't really been wearing all the hats. That's been the hardest part because I'm kind of used to that, even though there's now like more hats to wear between the two businesses. Uh -huh. But I think the thing is, is when I first, so I'm 33 and not that I don't use Perry, but I'm not going out as often as sure. when I was in my early, as it, as when I was in my twenties or, you right. know, when you're 18. And so I, from like the branding and aesthetic process through, you know, talking to the customer, that has definitely been a shift for me because I have to essentially connect more with Gen Z yeah. and younger millennials right? because they, they are the women that are going to be most likely downloading the app. And mm -hmm. so I think, or at least I hope at one point when we're able to actually hire people and bring people in, mm -hmm. then my goal would be to have someone who is like Gen Z, for example, take over socials because I think it, they, since they're more the customer than right. I am. And so versus with me working as an influencer, I'm the brand. So yep. I 
my customer is almost me. Like I'm attracting mm-hmm. people. So yeah, that is much easier versus this. It definitely has required a shift of, okay, yes, a lot of this is what I like because I would use it. You know, it's stemmed from someone who's like a crime junkie mm-hmm. who is hyper aware of their surroundings, who cares about women's safety, but also there's a younger component to it that I am like out of touch with now. (laughs) Right. Right. And then like, how do you resonate with them? Right. Right. Like, okay, you've got to do, oops, you've got to do like your own research and, and see, okay. Um, not only like you have to think about the market, but you have to think about your target audience and the way to this target audience, especially with the Gen Z's and, you know, the millennials, um, is through social media. And having to be, and like their attention span is like getting shorter and shorter and shorter, right? And how do you go out and, and explain in short sound bites that, hey, this is, this is what the app is. And this is what the app can do. Yeah, that's definitely been. So what I found is TikTok has, because I actually was not on TikTok with my personal brand because mm-hmm. I had started my Instagram and blog in 2015. So I'm kind of an OG over there right. for like lack of a better word. And so I never really got on TikTok because I was just already established on that on Instagram with my blog, have had a good like rhythm going there. And so that was a learning curve. One, learning TikTok. I mean, I'm used to being in front of the camera, so that was fine, but TikTok is very different mm-hmm. than Instagram. And so to your point, it's okay, how do we create this is where we feel like the majority of our audiences and TikTok, you have a much bigger ability to go viral versus yep. Instagram. And so to your point, how do we condense like what the app is, but also not make it sound too addy, Um, you know? And I think for us, one of the things that I found with Perry is the most viral videos we've had that have garnered the most downloads. Mm -hmm. They are around situations where women have done their own video saying, Hey, I was in this situation where I needed an excuse to leave or one, even this girl had actually faked a phone call Mm -hmm. in her video to get away from this guy. But of course she wasn't actually getting one. And so videos like that showing experiences of women going through this stuff and saying, one, using it as an awareness to say, Hey, there's creepy people out there, you know, Mm -hmm. like these are things you can kind of do to just like be aware of your surroundings and be safe. And then also incorporating. And if you're unfamiliar, you know, here at Perry, we're an app designed to get you out of uncomfortable situations through giving you a fake phone call. And we can also send your contact to your, um, or your location to your emergency contacts, but keeping it less addy and just kind of making sure at least Perry's incorporated in there. And I found that that has done the best um, versus creating videos that are just specific to Perry. It's kind of sharing other women's experience right. and also showcasing how Perry could be helpful in a and situation. And that means like that you that. have to spend time on TikTok. 
Yes. <laughs> Luckily, I have a great girl who she is really the only one besides me that's really working on anything right now. And my husband does the back end with the ads, but she does a great job of coming up with concepts for me because she's mm-hmm. on TikTok already. So because that, great. to your point, takes so much time mm-hmm. to okay, well, what are the trends right now? Oh my you know, gosh. What are, and no, that takes, I know Michaela doesn't want to hear that. Michaela has to send me a trend report like every week for me to like film because like you, you know, I think especially in this day and age, people want to connect with a person, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just the app, they're connecting with Claire and Claire is like talking about Perry and, and so you have to do most of, if not all of the filming, right? Right. So your girl is saying, hey, here are the trends that you need to do. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that does save a lot of time, but it's still, yeah, it's very time consuming. Then, I mean, as you know, recording every, and that's just one, recording is just one hat or TikTok is just, and then you aren't necessarily posting the same stuff on TikTok that you are on Instagram. And, you know, that's just the, social side of things that's not taking into again like we talked about the customer service standpoint right or just making sure or okay well what can we do to make the experience better you know what's the next step for the app so okay let's go down you know we're getting towards the end of our interview which has been so I mean I love this I could go all day um okay but let's talk about the personal side what is your everyday look like So I'm like, usually how I'm sitting right now in some sort of sweatshirt and (laughs) hair pulled back in front of the computer. Um, But yeah, I try to, because right now my everyday, it's basically, so I have my full-time job influencing and that is great because there is a lot of overlap and I'm my own boss. So like, it does provide me a lot of flexibility. I'm working from home, Mm -hmm. but basically it's like my time is split between that, my personal brand and Perry. So typically kind of every morning I will just have the habit or routine, wake up, make my bed, get in a quick workout, some sort of movement, and then really just kind of like will come sit down at the computer Mm -hmm. and kind of assess both from emails from my personal brand and Perry, kind of like, what are the top three things for each brand that are business that I need to do that day? Mm -hmm. So today, for example, with Perry, one of them was this podcast. Um, Another one later today, I am ordering boxes, branded boxes and tissue paper to send out our merchant. And then this morning I finalized the um, merch photos for our website and sent those off to our web designer to go ahead and upload those and get that checkout process ready. So mm-hmm. I try to pinpoint, okay, what are three things that I need to, like the three most important things for each brand to do that day. And so it's usually involves me sitting here at the computer, but you're like, you're um, looking at it. Yeah. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it really kind of just depends day to day. And then obviously for my personal brand, there will be days where I have to shoot a con- content for, you know, a brand that I'm working with or just mm-hmm. for myself. So that can entail obviously like going out or sometimes I'll shoot here at home, depending on what that is, but. Okay. All right. So yeah. let's, um, 
wrapping up, tell me what's your favorite podcast? And I'm not talking about like, oh, it's like Nightfield. I'm saying like your your true crime podcast. What are you listening to now? So I have three top ones. Okay. Um, one of them is Crime Junkie, which I know oh, everyone I love that listens one. to. I know. I, I know that. everyone listens to it. Um, and then a newer true crime one that I love is Going West. They're not okay. new, new, but new to me. Okay. Um, it's a husband and wife that do it. And then I also love um, Red Handed. It's also a true crime podcast, but it's two best friends and they're in London. Okay. And they're very unfiltered, but they stay on topic, which okay. I like. And yeah, I think as far as kind of other ones go that aren't in the true crime space, I love um, Ed Milet. Um, I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with him. His podcasts are like business and personal development related. Okay. Um, and I also love just be with Bethany, Bethany Frankel. Oh, she I interviews a lot of really interesting people, again, just entrepreneurs and people in that space. So I feel like that is a really good pot. And she also, I love is like very direct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's like, you're here because I want to get the information for my listeners, like, what do they need to know? Like, let's, Oh, I love like, she's, get she, to has, it. she has, a, she's doing a new thing on TikTok. It's like glamor sham. And have you seen it? I so basically yet. No. what she's doing is she's going out and trying, um, all the hyped, uh, beauty products. Oh, okay. So if they're expensive or drugstore and she's like trying them out and she's like, yeah, this is, is, and she grades them. This is an A, this is a B. She's like, listen, some of these products are super expensive. So I'm going to spend my money. So you don't have to. And at some of these drugstores, she's like, I love it. No, this isn't good. Or if it's super expensive, I love it. Or it's not good. So she's doing this whole thing. So that's awesome. And then your current jam at the moment. Hmm. Okay. It's- probably on repeat. <laughs> It's by, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name. It's by The Main. Okay. Yeah, Sticky by The Main. We're going to listen to it. Okay, yeah. Okay. I think you guys will like it. I usually oh, well, I'm gonna, really I'm gonna like have to country, let you know. but this is not, it's like a good, I don't know what you would, like alternative pop. I don't know. Y'all okay. see. All right, yes, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to see. So um, thank you so much for joining me today. And this was so informative. I mean, it's inspirational and motivational to our listeners to say like, Hey, like you said, you're not coming from a tech background or a coding background, but you saw that there was a need. You did your research, you did your homework, you found the resources, you know, and you kept it moving. And I'm so happy that I had an opportunity to talk to you because like I said, it's awesome to meet another woman in tech and not a coder, you know? Yes. And are you in San Diego? I'm in San Diego. Okay. I'll have to keep you posted. Two of my, our really close friends are out in San Diego. And so we're are you trying coming to think out? if we'll be, I don't have anything planned yet, but we want to, cause especially we'll, we're moving to Denver in a few months actually. So we'll be closer to the West coast. So I think we'll definitely be out there sooner than later. So I'll have to let you know, but um, oh, yeah. Before we go, I want you to please let our listeners know where they can find your app. Oh, yes. Okay. So we are available in the US and in Australia now on Android and iOS. Um, It's just Perry, P A R R Y. Mm -hmm. And if you type in Perry Women's Safety, then we should be the very first one to. And is there, is it subscription based and the cost of it? 
Yes, so we are subscription-based. There is a seven-day free trial, but we do either weekly, monthly, or yearly options. Mm -hmm. um, weekly is 99 cents, but then monthly is only 199 and yearly is 19.99. Okay. And obviously that's as many phone calls, as many, yes. you know, as many times as you want to use it. And I'm trying to think, yeah, and on TikTok and Instagram, it's just get Perry. Get Perry. Okay, yep. guys, thanks so much for joining us. This was Claire and Thea at Nyan Filtered. Thanks. thanks. Thank you, Thea. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. And remember to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Naya Beauty App. Bye.